Well, welcome to episode two of the Dads on Tap podcast. My name is Scott Maudsley, and I'm the founder of Dads on Tap and the host of our monthly podcast to help dads become better dads. You know, our mission as a nonprofit at Dads on Tap is really quite simple. We exist to craft better dads, and we do this primarily through brewery partnerships that have chapters and now through this monthly podcast. Last month in episode one, I shared some of my story and the story of Dads on Tap to help you know the heart and passion behind our nonprofit. Uh, This week, we're going to transition now into more of our typical format where I will interview someone who has something helpful to share with us as dads. Before I get to this month's interview, I want to start by saying a big thank you to this month's brewery sponsor, which is Slow Pour Brewery in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Slowpour is not only a fantastic brewery, but also the original Dads on Tap partner. And so this month, I have the privilege of talking for a few minutes with their general manager. Well, I'm honored to have a team member of Slowpour Brewery, Nate Groves. You know, Nate the Great, man, we're so glad to have you here today for this interview. And I want to start off by just saying thank you so much for Slowpour being our sponsor for our first three episodes of our Dads on Tap podcast, man. We're grateful. Yeah, thanks. It's great to be here. Dads on Tap is something I've always seen a lot of value with, even when I was out of the industry. And as a high school teacher, I would make sure that I would be behind the bar on those nights just so I could catch any tidbits. Because, you know, even the, the value that I found in it, even though I'm not a dad, it's just that it's a great program for community leaders and just being a great person and bringing people up around you. So I always saw value in that. And I feel so great about the whole program. And we're really, really honored to play a a small role in in what you guys do. Well, it's fantastic, man. If it weren't for you guys, we wouldn't exist. So we're grateful that you were our first chapter. And, and, you know, one of the things, Nate, I know about Slowpour is you guys really care about the community and you care about your customers. Your particular role is really that customer facing. You guys have several facilities uh, around our community. Tell us a little bit about the philosophy of Slowpour and what you want your customers to experience being a part of your brand. You're right, Scott. My role is Uh, The customer experience from when you get out of your car to when you get back in your car. So everything from what the space looks like when you walk through our doors to how you're greeted by our team and how you interact within the space, whether it's a beer menu or a bar or tables or any of the many events we got going on. But what we really want is to be a community gathering space for our neighborhood that caters to our local community. So everything, uh, all of our events that we program we ask ourselves, how does this fit into the neighborhood that we want to be? How does it fit into the neighborhood living room that we want to be? Some ways that you can immediately see that is a, our beer garden. When you first walk up is a true garden. Tim has an incredible gardening program that he really focuses on education and diversity and an active working pollinator garden. Uh, So when you first walk up, you almost feel like you're in um, an exhibit at a uh, big garden, but every season it's changing. You know, it's something that I would want in my backyard if I had these kind of resources. So we want that to be a talking point when you first walk in. But then also when you walk in our space, we wanted to revitalize a part of Lawrenceville that needed revitalization. So the building is it's over 100 years old. Rather than tear the building down, we wanted to breathe a new life into that. So some of the ways that we were able to do that was to conserve as much of the building structure itself. And rather than replace, we wanted to uh, strengthen. So 
The beams that we brought in were custom milled for this room. The floors are all the natural floors. The walls, we actually took down plaster to reveal the gorgeous brick underneath. And one thing that we're very proud of that you probably don't notice is that when you look around the space, you're not going to see any TVs. You're not going to see any neon signs. You're not going to see any advertisements. It's just a space for you to focus on being connected with each other. So the way our furniture is all mismatched and how we encourage people to push tables together to make bigger parties, to move tables around. We really, really want everyone that comes through our doors to make themselves feel at home by manipulating the environment and making yourself really comfortable. So what we aim to do is to provide a space and an atmosphere for folks just to come in and enjoy each other. So we've removed all distractions as much as we can. And anytime we can encourage a face-to-face real conversation away from screens and away from technology, that's really what we're at the heart of. And that's really what we're trying to promote. We do also have big events, for example, surrounding UGA games and Atlanta United games and our watch clubs and watch parties around those, but those are because they bring people together. And so all of our programming, we want people to come together. We want people to put down their phones, put down their screens to escape from the hectic rat race of the day, come in, slow down, catch up with each other and make real meaningful connections. And everything about how our space is put together encourages that. Well, yeah. I mean, your name, right? Have a slow pour. That's right. Yep. 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 (laughs) Nothing good happens in a hurry was our original uh, motto. Absolutely, man. I love it. Well, and that's one of the cool things. You know, when we first started partnering with you guys three and a half years ago, you had off nights, right? And now every night of the week is full. There's so many cool things that are happening right there at the brewery. And and, you know, Nate, I think not only slowpourbrewing.com, but following you guys on Instagram and on Facebook, you guys are always posting the new cool things, whether it's a musician playing, you know, over the weekends or a food truck night, right? Or a cornhole. I mean, there's, if someone's listening and they've never engaged with you guys, there's a lot of things they can come do there, right? Oh, for sure. Yep. Yep. And it's not just stuff that you want to do or, or, or watch and whatnot. Um, we also host uh, a lot of charity events. For example, we try to every month we do a charity bingo where 100% of those bingo card purchases go towards that charity for the night. We team up the charity. We put together a lot of great prizes. We have an MC that works with us. That's just phenomenal. And he's able to really bring rally the crowd around the charity and try to raise as much money for some really, really great causes. And we always keep those charities local. We like to really help out the people that are our neighbors and in our backyard. So all of our charities are going to be local to Lawrenceville, local to Gwinnett. And so it's benefiting the our immediate neighbors, not just our Georgia neighbors, but Lawrenceville, Gwinnett County, you know, our neighborhood is who we want to, who we want to raise up. So. That's awesome, man. Well, you know, all these cool things going on, but if you didn't have great beer, it wouldn't mean anything, right? So to close our time today, Nate, I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked John, one of your owners last month. If there was one slow pour beer that you wish everyone could try, what would be one of those for you? That is such a such a difficult question, Scott. You know, my tried and true is the Southernality IPA because it's just a great middle of the road IPA. You know, if I want something a little bit bitter, a little bit fruitier, it's it's going to be the perfect choice. So my fallback whenever I go to the bar for a pint after a shift, I'm I'm looking for Southernality. But also, I'm a sour guy at heart. Matt Lamatina, our lead brewer, he's really, really honed in his sour recipe and techniques and pretty much any sour behind the bar, I'm going to also go for that. So I like to go between the traditional Southernality 
Old Faithful is what I call it. And then any of the sour, you know, it tickled my fancy. So my You're choice. aligned with your owner because that was his answer as well, the southernality, right? So, <laughs> But I will say, I mean, obviously you guys have some great beers, kind of your core beers are across the community in a lot of different stores and in a lot of different, uh, you know, grocery stores and, and beer liquor places. But also, man, if they want to try some really unique, cool stuff, you guys, guys always got interesting things there on tap, right? So stop Absolutely, in the, yeah. into the brewery. Yeah. Every couple of weeks, we're putting out something new, if not every week. So uh, the menu board's always rotating, and we aim to keep it. Uh, you know, we always like to do a lot of really neat small stuff. So whenever you come in, you're probably going to see something you haven't had. And encourage you to try it out, and uh, you might find a new favorite. That's awesome. Well, Nate, once again, man, thanks so much for the time. And we're just grateful for the partnership we have with you all. And uh, thanks for joining us for our, our second episode, uh, a sponsor interview, man. We appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Great talking with you, Scott. All right, Nate, thanks so much. Also, I want to just give a shout out to Left Nut Brewery. You know, we couldn't do the Dads on Tap podcast uh, in any place else but a brewery. And so right now we're sitting in Gainesville, Georgia at the Left Nut Brewery, and we're honored to be here. So today I'm honored to have my good friend Hassani Pettiford joining me for this month's conversation. Welcome, Hassani. Thank you, man. I appreciate the invitation. Glad to have you, man. Uh, Asani is a man of many talents. In fact, I'm a little bit disappointed. We we only have about 30 minutes today mm-hmm. because we could talk for a long, time, a long time about all the things that you're involved in. But first and foremost, Asani is a husband and a dad of four girls. God bless you, man. I need all the blessing I can get. <laughs> Absolutely. With that alone means you should be here helping us think about raising girls, right? Yes. Sir. And you might need an extra beer at the end of the day as well. <laughs> we won't go there. So Hassani is my close friend. He's a great dad and husband, and I'm excited to interview him today. But Hassani, uh, let's just start today by having you tell us a little bit about your family and the work that you do. Well, I've been married to my beautiful wife, Danielle, going on 20 years this year. Congratulations. Thank you. Four beautiful girls ranging between 11 and 18. So you could imagine what my house is like. So we had to get a male dog just to have a little bit of testosterone. (laughs) You got to have a little help. A little bit of help. (laughs) My wife and I, we own our own private practice. It's called Couples Academy. And really what we do is we're marriage counselors, but more specifically, we're infidelity recovery specialists. So typically, 90% of our clientele are couples in crisis, those on the verge of divorce or those impacted by an affair in trying to figure out how to navigate through that. So you're dealing with some pretty heavy-duty stuff. Heavy stuff. Heavy stuff. Well, I know that you're home, man. I'm excited to talk a little bit more about that uh, as we go through our interview today. But I know your home is full of life. Mm. You got a lot going on. So what does a day in the life of the Pettiford family look like? Well, for me, I wake up at 5 a.m. There are about three men's groups that I lead. And so in the morning, we get them started uh, in terms of what their assignments are. After that, I walk through my morning rituals. Okay, so I'm exercising, I'm reading, I'm doing some prayer, some meditation, just having me time so that I could be charged up for my day. Then about eight o'clock in the morning, uh, we start our daily podcast. We go live every single day streaming. And then I'm in sessions from about 9 a.m. to about 8 p.m., Yeah, it's a pretty a pretty hectic day. And then we have family time. Now, in between that, we try to check in with each other and make sure that we're good. But it's a pretty full day. So you mentioned your podcast and what you guys do. How do our viewers or listeners, how do they uh, get more information or how they connect to you there? If you're on Instagram, YouTube or Facebook, you can go to Couples Academy page or just go to the Couples Academy website, couplesacademy.org.org to find out more about it and tune in daily. Fantastic. So make sure you go check that out. 
One of the things I love to do, Hassani, when I, I interview a dad and dads on tap is I like to start with a little bit of the story of you and your dad. Mm. So would you just tell us, uh, take a minute or two to tell us a little bit about your relationship with your dad? My dad it was like my best friend. You know, he was a mentor, a leader, a guide. You know, a lot of times people have these very challenging relationships with their father. He was just an excellent model. He was not only my dad, but he was like a progenitor and one of the voices of the collective family. And so I learned how to be a man through his influence. That's awesome, man. So uh, is there one story that you remember that's just a great story that you remember about your dad growing up? Life lessons. He would always, you know, take the family on vacations and say, listen, when you become an adult and you have a family, these are the places you should take them. He would take us to nice restaurants and give us hope. And, and vision for what our future could look like. These are the places you can go. He was very particularly coming from an urban area and being selective in where he wanted to raise his family. It wasn't about the size of the home, but it was about the neighborhood and making sure that there was great education and a good environment. He said, listen, when you, get adult, when you become an adult, you want to move into nice areas where you can raise your, your family in safety and comfort. So those things always stuck with me and became really a part of my strategy in terms of how I raised my daughters. That's awesome, man, which really kind of gets to the next question I like to ask. Uh, what would you say is something really important or really good or one of the most important things that you learned from your dad that you've now taken into your relationship as a dad with your girls that you, you learned from him? I think the level of discipline that he operated in, and when I say discipline, not how he disciplined us, but his level of self-discipline, how he was able to handle crisis you know, his temperament, you know, his attitude and approach towards life. He let us know that even in the midst of crisis, maintaining a calm spirit, tapping into the creator and really being strategic before operating is the key to your success. And so that's the type of parenting that I'd like to do with our children because we have girls. So girls can be emotional and you have to figure out how to balance those emotions with practicality. So that was a, a huge lesson for me. That's awesome. You know, one of the things I always like to say about dads on tap is we're not just about presenting the perfect dad, right? Like we're not about saying we got it all figured out. In fact, I've often joked that we could spend an entire podcast about the dumbass things that we've mm, done as a dad, right? And absolutely. so we come from our relationship with our dad. Some of it's great. Some of it's not so great. What would be one thing that you would say that you may have learned from your dad that maybe is something that you're trying to change a little bit, right? Or something you'd say that's just you want to do different as a dad. To that point, this is why we say every man needs a man, because what I was raised in as a man is different than what you were raised Absolutely. in. Absolutely. So yep. there may be some deficiencies in me that you have, and I can benefit from your wisdom and your collective spirit. But now in terms of a lesson that I did not pick up because I learned it well, I think my father came from a family environment where they would cut you off. If you fell out with a family member, you know, it's quite possible that you wouldn't speak to that family member for 10, 15, wow, 20 wow. years. So they had no idea how to do conflict. Oh, my God. And it was a curse on the family that I, I said, you know what? The buck stops here. I am not bringing that into to my children or into my home. And so you can learn from the good that people do, and you can learn what not to do by observing the bad that happens as well. That's awesome, man. Hassani, what would you say if you had to put a few words or maybe a statement to your philosophy as a dad, and then what that looks like in a practical way in your home, how do you think about being a dad? You know, parenting is not just about what you do. It's about who you choose to be. You know, we're not just human doings, we're human beings. And so children typically mirror what has been modeled for them. 
being an example and being a leader and showing and displaying the life that they should live has been the key. It's not about what I say. I can give you lessons all day long. It's about what they see us do. That's awesome. Yeah. What does they used to say? Do as I say, not as I do. That won't work. It's not, not going to work for us. Not in this generation. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Well, that does make it a little bit harder. Yeah. So, yeah. But that's great, man. What's one thing that you do all the time that maybe if I ask your daughters, hey, tell me something your dad says or something he does that they maybe just kind of roll their eyes at, right? Mm-hmm. But it's kind of a fun thing or a fun idea for our dads out there. Uh, something maybe they could try at home. Well, when I was young, my mother would always share things before I would leave the home to make sure that we were safe and protected. And so there's a mantra that we say every single morning. And every single morning before my girls go to school, before Danielle and I start our day is, today belongs to me. It must submit to my will. And my will is in perfect alignment with the will of God. It's a prayer. It's a confession. And it gets their head right. It helps them to approach the day with success. And we've been drilling that into them literally for the last five or six years. And so they may not get it now. It's just something that they're reciting but it will come into full understanding as they enter into adulthood. Bro, I love that. You know, one of the things that I know, even when my kids roll their eyes, right? Uh, and even times when we say those things and they don't believe it, mm-hmm. the fact that we believe it to be true about them as their parents, right? They can borrow our belief until it becomes their own, right? right? I love that. Now, that is a fact. I love that. So. I want to transition today into a couple of conversations that, Hassani, you're very uniquely, in my opinion, positioned to talk about. Yep. And they're two kind of light topics. They're pretty easy. You know, we, we probably won't uh, you know, have to spend a lot of time. It's uh, raising black and white kids in America. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's a simple one. <laughs> and building a solid marriage. Do you think we can handle that in a couple I, minutes? I think we, <laughs> can, we can broach that topic. I want to start with the raising black and white kids in America, Hassani. And I told you uh, as we were getting ready for this podcast that not only are you my good friend, mm-hmm. not only do you have a lot to say, but there's actually a very specific reason why I wanted you to be the first guest mm-hmm. for this Dads on Tap podcast in episode number two. And that's because we've had so many rich conversations around this issue. And we come from a very different perspective, very different backgrounds. And yet I've learned a ton from you that I wanted our dads to be able to learn as well. And so I'm going to dig into this conversation, ask you some questions, but there's a couple things that I want to say to the dads as a white man mm-hmm. before we open the floor for you to share a little bit. So I want to just say that on this particular topic, I do not believe that this is about necessarily agreement. I think it's about understanding. I'm not sure that we we never agree with everybody, right? A hundred percent. And it's, right. especially if we grew up in backgrounds that have very distinct perspective about life, right? There may be some beliefs we hold on to very tightly that can get us into trouble if we have to agree with every person that we're talking to or listen to. So I want us to set aside during this podcast, trying to agree with everything. And I want us to take on the posture of understanding. And I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced on this topic as a white dad, okay? And I want to say to the white dads that are either listening or maybe watching at a local chapter, I think we have to start by shutting up and listening. I often tell my kids, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? right. And I think as a white dad that I have to have two ears and one mouth and just be quiet and listen. So that's the first thing I want to say. The second thing I want to say is if we are going to understand how to lead our children, because that is one of our main priorities is leading our children. We have got to figure out how do we lead our kids around this conversation of black and white? 
because there's so many challenges in our culture today. And so if we are going to lead as dads, then I want to say this to the white dads, and this is something personally for me. We have to be in real relationships with our black brothers. And here's a litmus test in my mind. If you have never been to or had a black man or family in your home or never been to their house for a time of fellowship, then I'm not sure that you've made this real in your life. Because Real relationships, I don't think, often happen around the business table, right, or the conference room. I mean, they can a little bit, but when you're fellowshipping with someone, it's just a whole different level. So lastly, Hassani, today I want to give you a little bit of permission, maybe not a little bit, a lot of permission to piss off some dads that are listening to us right now. I'm going to tell you why. Dads on Tap is not about soft-ass, milk-toast conversations. It's not why we exist. If we're going to be challenged to grow as dads, then we cannot always talk to people that believe and think the same way that we believe and think. That's a recipe for not growing. We have got to stretch our thinking and we've got to be in relationship with people who have a different life experience than us and who may think differently than us. And this has been so true for me with you and a few other of my black brothers who I have learned from over the last decade on this particular issue have changed my thinking in so many ways. So I want to hear from you today as a black man and a black dad. And if Many of our dads that are listening or watching today don't walk away a little uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm going to blame you <laughs> because you didn't make them uncomfortable right. enough. Okay. Yes, so sir. I wanted to set that as kind of a way to open up the door for you to discuss this and to share some things with us. that will be really helpful. The first question I want to throw out that I want you to talk a little bit about is what do you wish white dads knew about being a black dad in America? Well, let me first start off by saying we are not a monolithic people. So hearing from this black man may be different than hearing from another. And I think, unfortunately, we live in a society where when we talk to someone black, somehow they represent the collective masses of black people. And that's not the reality. But for me, for this black man, what I will say is that I loathe, hate and despise the word minority. I hate it. You know why? Because when you live in a society where the majority rules, that means that you can never win, ever. And even though there are many African-Americans and black people from all over the diaspora who live in America today who do tremendously well, the collective body of our people still have struggles. And I think that we're still haunted by the ghosts of our racially divided past. And even though, say, slavery is, what, 400 years old, The idea still lives today. There was an idea that was created and developed and harnessed since that time that still permeates today. The idea that we're miscreants, the idea that we're villainous, the idea that we're less than, that we're inferior in some way intellectually. And and that idea has been cultivated and shaped and reinforced every time you turn on the television and watch the news. Every time you watch a movie, every time you listen to music, when you look at statistics, it reinforces the the idea and it's cemented in the minds of people who then take it into the educational system, who take it into the medical institutions, who take it into the church, who take it into uh, the legal injustice system. And this idea is what we battle against every single day. And so as a black man, 
it really helps me to actually train my children in a particular way. The lessons that you give your white children are completely different than the lessons of survival and adaptability that I have to give my black children. So it's a different reality. It's a different reality. Now, within the home, we all want the same things. We all want children who are going to be healthy, who are going to be successful, who have a sense of God and can thrive in society. But when they step outside of those doors, it's a different reality for, for many of us. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Yesai, you brought up the history. One of the, the ways I've described to my kids, as well as a lot of my friends who are dads, as I've said, think about this as a dad. If you abused your children terribly and always mm-hmm. for the first 60 years of your dad life, right? In their life. Okay. And then the last 20 years, you had some type of a growth, a healing an epiphany, right? And for the last 20 years, you did everything you could do to pour into them, to love them. There's only so much you could make up for, right? Very true. Right. I mean, 80% bad, 20% Mm -hmm. good. There's Mm -hmm. only so much. When we think about the history of our country, let's just call it 400 years. And we take the first 300 and 40 years of that, right? And then we go to the 60s and we see all the work that was done through civil rights. It's only been about 20% of our country's history that we've actually done some things to move this conversation forward. And so when I hear a lot of us as dads, we kind of have this tension of, well, we've come a long way, right? Well, but if 80% of the history of black Americans was being abused in every way, and it's only been 20% of the time we're trying to figure it out and make up for it, there's no way that we're finished with this process, right? Excellent point. And what I will also say is for those who say, well, listen, I had struggles. I had challenges. I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. And I agree because there's a lot of, you know, white men who do have these struggles, but we live in a society where there is a privilege that you are given because of your whiteness that I am not given because of my blackness, right? And so I think that To your point, if we take the time to do life with, to fellowship with, to break bread, have a meal and talk with, rather than just reading statistics out of a book or whatever the case may be, you may gain an understanding of what others have gone through, which will help you gain a sensitivity and an empathy towards other people's struggle. Listen, when I see struggle happen amongst white people, Asians, Arabs, Latinos, it doesn't matter. I have a sensitivity to it because of what we've collectively been through. There are other people who are so detached from any type of struggle or hardship that they just don't get it. And then we'll sit and say, well, they probably deserved it. They were probably doing something wrong. And it's just like, how many times do we have to watch the news of black men in particular who are just living life? And in this society, our skin is our sin. We are suspect just because of what we look like. And the struggles that we have to endure as a result of that. So, so, so as African-Americans, we really have to be intentional with how we walk, how we talk, how we interact, how we show up so that people perceive us the way that we want them to perceive us. Yeah, bro. And I think that your point that we say, well, I've struggled too, right? I mean, none of us would ever say that because we all struggle that everyone can relate to my struggle, right? So last week I shared a little of my story with I mean, my family went through homelessness, right? Mm-hmm. My family went through, but, but that doesn't mean that I can relate to everybody else's struggle. It just means that there's pieces of yeah. that that might give me some understanding, right? And so because we focus on this discussion, very important, doesn't mean that we're wiping everybody else's right. struggle away. It means this one needs more in-depth conversation. And right? let me just say this, right? So I grew up in a predominantly white Jewish community 
However, I had black friends, white friends, Latin friends. I mean, it was like a multicultural type of environment that I was in. And because of that close proximity, you know, I've developed some really, really, really good relationships. And I think that to your point, if we we live in a socially isolated society, even though we may work together, we may go to church together. It seems like outside of those environments, we go to our own social space. And if we took the time to really engage, I think that that would be the start of, of a change. And so. I mean, we can go on and on and on to talk about this Absolutely. topic, but I know you have yeah, yeah. several questions. <laughs> yeah, to like get I to. told you, we could probably spend a couple yeah, hours yeah. here, right? So the brewery just shut down one of their brewers, which means they got some good beer waiting for us, man. Oh, so I'm excited wait. about that at the end of today. <laughs> uh, Hassani, it's something that uh, certainly with Dad's on tap, we'll come back to you. But thank you for giving us some thoughts today. Uh, and at the end, I'll probably just have you, if we have some guys that are at a local chapter and they want to have a little discussion, right? I may have you just uh, what's one or two things they can discuss. But let's move on to this area that you spend a majority of your work life, right, in your vocation in. And this is the conversation around marriage. Okay. Absolutely. This is a big deal. Uh, you already mentioned that you deal with really intense situations. We certainly have some dads that have experienced that or are in the middle of that. Uh, and then we have some dads that maybe not as intense, but this conversation about how they invest or how we invest in our marriage is so important because I know there's been a lot of studies done about the best way to invest in our kids is to have a great relationship with their mom and with yes. our wife. Tell us a little bit about that concept. You took the words right out of my mouth. Oftentimes when we're not in a good space with our spouse, we shift our direction. So now the love we give to the children vertically down, the attention we give to the children vertically down, the affection we give to the children vertically down. So they feel our individual love, but they don't feel a collective love. They don't feel as if they're in a loving environment. And to your point, we say that the best way that you can love your child is to love the spouse because now they have a model for what healthy relationships look like. And so when they enter into adulthood, they will once again manifest in their adult life what they've been trained and indoctrinated to believe from childhood. That is leaving a legacy. Like Leaving a legacy is more than just financial. It is a relational legacy that you leave your children. You sit in a very unique seat because you have an opportunity to jump into really intense situations in a way that most of us may never get to see. I'm curious, over the years as you've worked in these situations, none of these marriages started with the idea that I'm going to blow up my marriage, right? Right. Like I'm going to have an affair or I'm going to let an addiction take over or I'm going to let anger take me to a place that's just crazy in my marriage. So I'm curious for the average dad that's listening or watching out there, what are some trends as you're working with these couples that you're seeing? Are there any kind of common mistakes that may men make that lead them towards these places where it just is a train wreck? The five biggest mistakes you typically find amongst... By the way, get your pens out right now (laughs) because this is going to be gold. Oh, yeah. Five biggest mistakes you see in in most marriages or the five biggest struggles, let's just say. Money, sex, parenting, in-laws, and communication. Those are the big five. And truly, I would say that communication is probably the biggest. Now, many of us as men have been raised in homes where maybe our father wasn't vocal, that the only time he did speak is when he was enraged or upset. And so he did not articulate, or maybe he expressed his words in anger and rage, and he was a verbal assassin. And when dad drank and he got angry, the world felt it. But outside of those, one of the biggest mistakes that men in particular make is their relationship with members of the opposite sex. 
That is the biggest issue. So whether we're talking about my work spouse, who I have a great relationship with, we're flirting, but you know, it's, it's, it's fine. It's innocent. Whether it's the indulgence into pornography, whether it's just not knowing how to guard and shield yourself from daily interactions with members of the opposite sex that wind up getting us in trouble. Because of that, we really fall into a space where we're compromising our relationships on a daily basis, unaware. And so I think it's important that men in particular understand what marriage is. There are laws that govern a successful marriage. If you are ignorant of those laws, then you are setting yourself up for failure. And most of us are doing marriage wrong because we didn't have a good model of it necessarily, or we just didn't take the time to become students of it. And that's why we find ourselves in these situations. So I told you we were going to just deal with some light, easy topics, right? <laughs> uh, but one of the things, uh, one of our commitments, Asani, you know, Daz on Tap, is we could go really deep with this, right? And I grew up in a, in a traumatic childhood, so I can relate to what you're talking about. And I've gone through six, seven years of counseling and all that, right? And it's possible that we have dads that have not dealt with some of those issues. And we're not going to be able to help in a 30-minute podcast, right? But maybe we could plant a seed. But one of the things that we want to do is our commitment to Dads on Tap is that every dad can leave with something from one of our chapter nights or from our podcast that just is a super practical thing that they can do at home. So my question to you is one or two maybe of the most important things that we do as a husband, right, with our wife in front of our kids. What do our kids need to see in a practical way at home? They need to see what love and respect looks like. That's number one. One of the things that we always encourage men to do is to never argue in front of the kids. And if you happen to get in an argument in front of the kids, make sure you resolve the conflict in mm, front of them, not go. behind closed doors, because you're only giving them one side of the story. So what happens is kids grow up. Now they're in marriages and they say, well, all I saw was my parents fight. That's why I do it. I never saw. I'm sorry. I never saw an apology. So I don't know how to do that. And so when you demonstrate your willingness to apologize in front of the children, you're teaching them a lesson. That's awesome. Th- does that make sense? It does. So once again, it's about being an example and a model that they will mirror. That's awesome. You know, last week on our podcast, I just shared one of my uh, one of my best learnings as a dad, and it was the concept of we never say I'm sorry. Because mm-hmm. when you say I'm sorry for something, what do you do with that, right? Like, you're sorry you got caught, or you're sorry that you feel that right. way, right? right? We always say, I apologize. Will you forgive me, mm-hmm. right? And that's what you're talking about is, right. is that I have to put myself in places of humility in front of my kids. And it's demonstrating a repentive posture. It's one thing to say, I'm sorry, again and again and again and again. But when you change course and you change direction and behavior, now they're seeing the evidence that's attached to the words that you speak. That's great, man. That's great. So on the opposite side of that question, what are a couple things that you would say that we should never do as a husband hmm. to our wives in front of our kids? And we should never do. Yeah, like something you say, don't don't ever do this if you're in front of your kids with your wife. You know, I think we need to protect our children from our marriage. I say this all the time because, you know, it kind of goes back to the point that I just made. Oftentimes we are too open and too vulnerable in front of our children and we're showing them or exposing them to things that they should not be privy to until they become of a certain age where they can then understand it. I think also what we need to do is really manage our vices. You know, there's a lot of men who struggle with all types of habits and idiosyncrasies that spill and bleed out in the relationship and in the household. And what happens is 
they pick up those behaviors. The reason why I do what I do is because I saw my dad do what he did. And so you really have to focus on your personal growth and development, becoming the best version of yourself. And those issues that you so struggle with, get help. Get help outside the home so that you could be the best person in that home for your children. Yeah, that's great. No, we talk all the time about dads on tap. As you come to the brewery to have some fellowship and have a beer, but not to drown your sorrows as a dad, right? There it is. <laughs> not sedating yourself. That's correct. Absolutely. So would you share three top things today that you have learned about being a good dad with your daughters. If they're just three practical things that you've learned that you put into practice all the time with your daughters, what would be something that would be helpful for our dads? Number one, living my faith. It was important for me not to just learn life lessons about scripture and the Bible, but to live it out in a practical way. So we practice faith in our household, we practice principles of the Bible in our household because we want them to have a foundation for when they become adults. The second thing is we empower them and then allow them to fail their way forward. I think when you're in school, you're at the lesson, then you're expected to pass the test. In life, you're given tests and then expected to learn lessons. That's so good. preparing them for life, we want to empower and equip them with tools and principles and allow them to mess up while they still have covering and protection. And from those failures, they learn, right, the seeds of success. They learn what to do and they don't fear it. A lot of people fear success, fear failure, fear rejection, fear all types of things. You can't be fearless, but we are teaching them how to be courageous in the midst of things that they may personally struggle with. That's awesome. So that's man. an important lesson. And then because I have four daughters, daddy-daughter days, like I got to spend quality time with them because I'm training them on what to look for and how to properly select when they become of age. That's great. That's great. And one of the things that, that I've done with my son and daughter is similar to that uh, daddy-daughter dates is um, we do a 24-hour adventure. So once or twice a year, I take them away for 24 hours overnight. We've gone to downtown Atlanta. We've gone to the mountains of North Georgia. We've gone to North Carolina just to have that individual time yes. of connecting, right? Which I think you're saying is so important. Critically. Yeah. It's, you know, as men, you know, every woman loves a hardworking man, but I don't know a single woman who loves a workaholic. Yeah. That's and good. we need to learn how to put boundaries around our work life and our, in our home life and making sure that we're investing time in the lives of our children and our spouse so that they don't feel like they're competing for our time with everything else. That's great, man. Well, as I mentioned when we started, we're just scratching the surface, oh. right, of these two particular things. I am would love to get your perspective, though, on is there a book that you're reading on these two subjects or, or something that you would say, hey, if you're interested in learning more about this, here's a recommendation that you have for our dads. Two books. Number one, our book. The Audacity of Marriage, 10 Principles to Lifelong Partnership. It's a phenomenal book yep. that really tells you how to have a successful relationship. But more specifically to dads, it's an awesome, awesome, awesome book entitled What Radical Husbands Do, 12 hmm. Steps to Win Your Spouse's Heart Back. Let me tell you, men, whether you've had an affair or any type of betrayal or not at all, this book will walk you through the steps that are necessary to get her back, to win her back, and to have a phenomenal phenomenal marriage. Those are the two. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So remind us again how our dads can get connected to you. You can go to couplesacademy.org. That's .org to find out more information about our services and how we really help men in particular, but 
But couples in specific really have a, a wonderful relationship beyond the betrayal. That's great. And then if we have some guys that are sitting right now uh, in a brewery, and maybe they're in their car driving or listening to the podcast, but if we have a chapter and we've got some guys sitting around, what's one great question, maybe on these two topics, so I'll put you on the spot, what's one question that they could, as we close, go and have some discussion around that could be helpful for them to process together these two issues of raising black and white kids in America and having a great marriage for the sake of our kids? Define fatherhood. Define it. What does fatherhood mean to you? If you ask 10 different men, you may get 10 different answers because our answers are shaped by our upbringing, our worldview. Defining that is critically important. That would be one. And have you crossed the aisle? Have you extended yourself into the life of people who don't look like you, right? Who don't represent what you represent? Have you forged a relationship and have you brought them into your home? I think that idea is one of the best ideas. Bring someone into your home and around your family who is of another culture, another race, another creed, and learn. I remember hearing this statement that said that isolation breeds ignorance. And so the more you're in close proximity, I think the more understanding you'll have, and it will lead to a genuine relationships, which we need. I love it, man. Yeah, I've often said that when something is just an issue, we can sometimes take a really hard stance on it. But when it moves beyond an issue to become a relationship, all of a sudden, that's the game changer, right? Absolutely. Because now I can't just speak about something from my own perspective. I have to listen to your perspective. And sometimes it completely changes my understanding of an issue, right? So I love that. Asani, bro, thanks for being here today, man. So Thank glad you, to man. have you. Thank you. Um, We're going to have, before we close the podcast today, a couple giveaways from our sponsor at Slowport Brewery. In fact, I've got them right over here. So we got a cool beer. I don't know what kind of what kind of glass you call that, but I think it's for a particular kind of beer. And then we got a cool hat here. So if you're watching us on my video, you can see that. So here's what we're going to do. Hassani's going to let me know the dads that reach out to him through social media. So here's what you have to do. You have to go follow him on social media, right? And then the first dads who follow him who then uh, post a little something to encourage him about our podcast today and tag us at the dads on tap. We're going to make sure you get the first one's going to get the hat. The second one's going to get the glass. Uh, and so go make that happen. And then I just want to say in closing today, dads, I want to thank you once again for listening. I hope you've learned something helpful this month. And I would love to have you follow us on Instagram at the dads on tap to check us out, to follow some of the updates we're putting there. And then also check out our website at dadsontap.com where you're going to see one thing I want to specifically point out. And that is the brew crew initiative. The brew crew is a group of uh, primarily guys. There's actually some moms there too that believe in the work that we're doing uh, and have invested financially to help us do things like this podcast. Uh, and so we have a bunch of monthly supporters. We have people that have made a one-time gift, but we actually have uh, for someone who gives $100 or more to Dads on Tap through our website, we actually have this really cool brew crew box that has Dads on Tap gear in it that we want to give you as a thank you for your investment in the future of Dads on Tap. So in closing, I also just want to close by saying, uh, if I can ever do anything for you, would you please send me an email at scott at dadsontap.com? Uh, we're here for dads. We love dads. And if we can support you in any way, we'd love to do that. Now, as we close, I want you to take what you have learned today and let's go be a better dad. Yeah.